What's going on, guys? How we doing? You guys good? Oh, man. Welcome to Young Adults. It's so good to see you on the biggest clubbing night in Denver. You guys are here. You guys must be crazy. You must be crazy to be here and maybe a little hungry. Maybe you understand that your life is about something that's so much bigger than yourself and you're here because you want to be a part of it. Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe that's why you keep coming back. Anyway, I just love that you're here. Uh, thank you so much for bringing the energy and bringing your faith and the expectancy every single time that you show up. Like, so much about your posture that you guys walk in here with dictates the kind of night that we have. And that's why we seem to have awesome nights. Like, every single week, our staff, we do the best in our volunteers to set the table before you guys get here. But, man, you guys show up with the energy and expectancy every Thursday. And I just want to say thank you. And I'm wondering, yeah, can we make some noise? Let's get the energy going in this place right away. I love it. Jesse already did this, but if it's your first time, can you raise your hand? First time? I love it. Welcome to Red Rocks. Welcome. Good to have you. Um, if you are looking for a perfect church, you did not find it. We can't even guarantee you a parking spot. Let me tell you what you're going to find here. All you're going to find here is a bunch of messed up young adults. I mean, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I'm looking at you guys right now. Messed up young adults just doing our best to pursue a perfect God. That's what you're going to find in this place. If you're looking for a church that's going to do its absolute best to make you feel like home from the moment that you step foot in this building, you found the right place. If you're looking for a church that loves Jesus, Jesus Christ, and in everything and everything that we do, we seek to make his name famous. You found the right place at Red Rocks Church, so welcome home. Turn to your neighbor and say, welcome home. Welcome home. And if you're on Facebook Live right now, I want to let you know that you are just as a part of this ministry as anybody in the room, and we love you. We're grateful to have you. Can we make some noise for the Facebook Livers, our YouTubers, our podcasters? We love you guys. Welcome to Young Adults. We are, uh, you're here on a good night. We are, as you saw from that bumper video, we are starting a brand new series called God Still Speaks, all about how to hear the voice of God. And I thought we would start really quick with an exercise. So here's what's about to happen. You know those really high frequency, annoying sounds? One of those, don't cry, one of those is about to be put through the speakers and here's the rules before this happens. Here's the rules. As soon as you hear it, I want you to raise your hand as soon as you hear it, okay? Don't cheat and, like, see your neighbor raising your hand and you don't want to feel lame. So you, like, don't cheat, okay? No pride. If your hearing sucks, it's okay. Mine does too. That's fine. If you hear something right now, it's not playing yet. That's a ringing in your ears. And you should probably go to the doctor and get that checked out. Are we clear on the rules? All right. Go ahead, guys. Wow, really? Okay, you can stop it. I didn't, I got nothing. For all of you who didn't hear anything, that means that you're getting old, is what it means. If we had youth in here, if we did that on a Wednesday night, every hand in the room would have gone up. Because as you get older, like when you're younger, you can hear higher frequencies. And then that, with age, just kind of goes away. But here's... Here's the thing, that noise was there, that noise was there the whole time. Some people heard it, and some people didn't. And so to spiritualize that really quick, God is speaking right now. God is speaking all the time. It's just that, and here's where this actually ties in perfect to that metaphor. As we get older, honestly, 
as we get busier and there's more noise in our lives, we become experts in kind of tuning out the voice of God. But make no mistake, young adults, he still speaks. He still speaks. He is speaking right now. And this series is our challenge to ourselves and to you to rediscover and relearn the God-given ability that you have to hear the voice of God. Because he is speaking to you right now. And Mark Batterson would say that learning how to hear the voice of God is the solution to a thousand different problems. In fact, here's a book. This is one of his new books. I just want to plug it really quick because I got a lot of what I'm going to say in this message from this. It's called Whisper, How to Hear the Voice of God. Anybody in their life right now, are anybody desperate to hear the voice of God with something that's going on right now, right? Here, you can have this. That's Mark Batterson. It's called Whisper. If you are wanting to hear the voice of God, I promise you that book is so practical. Get it on Amazon after service. You can get it right now during the message if you want. It's a free country. You can do whatever you want. But that's Mark Batterson. That is Whisper. And if you guys have your Bibles, really quick, we are going to be in 2 Samuel. But really quick, I want to open up with something in 1 Kings chapter 19. Our boy Elijah... He's a prophet from the Old Testament. He is desperate at the moment to hear the voice of God. And so he does what a lot of us do. He goes to the mountains. That's where you go, either the ocean or the mountains. When you are a Christian and you're desperate to hear the voice of God on something, you go to the mountains. And this is Elijah. We pick it up in 1 Kings 19, uh, verse uh, 11. Halfway through it. Here we go. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but God was also not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, bless you. After the earthquake came a fire, but God was also not in the fire. And then check this out right here. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And you can, you can go read that in 1 Kings 19 later this week, but what you're going to find is that God's voice came in the whisper. That's typically what God does. The Hebrew word right there for whisper is the word damama. I'm serious. D-E-mama. It means gentle whisper or a still, low voice, right? So God obviously has an outdoor voice that he knows how to use, but he tends to speak to us in whispers. And Mark Batterson tells us why. When someone speaks in a whisper, you have to get very close to hear. We lean toward a whisper, and that's just what God wants. The goal of hearing the Heavenly Father's voice is not just hearing his voice. That's not the end goal. This is key. It's intimacy with God. That's so good. The goal of hearing the Heavenly Father's voice is not just hearing his voice, but intimacy with him. That's why he speaks to us in a whisper, because he wants to be as close to us as divinely possible. He likes us. He loves us just that much. And so if you ever wonder why it's sometimes hard to hear the voice of God, the answer is because he loves you and he wants you close, right? Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of the coolest verses in the entire Bible. It says, God is saying basically to you, I know the plans that I have for you, and they are good plans. But if you're anything like me, you, you'd like God to kind of proclaim that with his outdoor voice to you, right? 
You'd love, like how many here, how many people wish that they could take God to Starbucks and sit down over an orange mocha frappuccino and just ask him about all those plans that he has for your future, right? Like, God, thank you so much for meeting me. I know you're busy. By the way, how's Jesus? How's spirit? How's Gabriel? You guys doing good? Hey, uh, by the way, who should I marry? Right? Hey, by the way, what job should I take? What's my calling? Hey, by the way, God, where should I move? Right? Hey, by the way, God, like, should I buy or should I rent? Like, is Denver in a bubble right now? Is this economy okay? Like, what's the next Bitcoin that I should invest in right now, God? And while I have your attention, what are tomorrow morning's HQ questions? I swear I'm not going to cheat. I just want to know the questions, right? Like, I'd love for him to just proclaim that to me. In an earthquake, show up in the fire or a hurricane and say, Doug, these are the plans I have for your future. But God whispers. And to hear him, you have to lean in. And he designed it that way because God knows something that we oftentimes forget. And it's this. Our proximity to him will grow us and change us more than simply just receiving the plans for our future ever could. Right? Your pursuit of God's voice will grow you more than actually hearing God's voice ever will. And God might be a God who whispers, but whispers are still clear if you lean in. Your God is not a God of confusion, and he still speaks, and he wants to speak to you. And learning how to hear his voice is the solution to a thousand different problems. And, and that's what this series is in a nutshell. You're not going to want to miss this. It's going to be an epic series. Um, but tonight specifically, I want to talk about how God still speaks through people, through people. All right. And so if you're taking notes, we're going to title this message, People, Prophets, Proverbs, and Proposals. <laughs> so turn to your neighbor and say, get ready to hear a message called People, get really close, Prophets, Proverbs, and Proposals. All right, let's pray. God, we love you so much. I thank you for every soul, every story that found its way into this building tonight. I know that you want to speak, and I know that you want proximity and closeness and intimacy with every one of my friends in this room. I pray tonight that we'd experience it. And we just simply say this, speak God, we're listening. Speak God, because we're listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, go, now, go ahead now and go to 2 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to start right here in verse 1. We are going to talk about King David from the Old Testament. Everybody know who King David is? David the shepherd boy, just in case, you know what, just in case you don't know who David is, let me give you some context and catch you up just really, really quick. So a long, long time ago in a land, I guess not too far away, like 3,000 years ago in Bethlehem on the other side of the world, there was a little shepherd boy and his name was David and he spent all of his time in the shepherds with his sheep, just working with his slingshot, strumming on his git fiddle and journaling in his diary, right? Like, dear diary, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, right? And David, David loved God with all of his heart. He was known as a man after God's own heart and he was also the youngest of all of his brothers. He was the little guy in his family 
Emily, kind of the run, kind of like the Kevin McAllister of the crew. And he spent all of his time in the fields, in the shepherd, in the pastures with his sheep. And one time, the stupid little, one of the stupid little sheep that he looked after wandered off and almost got killed by a bear. And so David killed that bear. And then, like a few months later, that same stupid sheep almost got killed by a lion, and so David killed that lion. Like, what kind of shepherd boy kills bears and lions? The answer is shepherd boys who are future warriors and future kings. That's who does that, right? And so David picked up that little sheep and said, little dumb sheep, I am your shepherd and the Lord is mine. And the sheep was like, bah, right? And then, one day, David gets anointed as king of Israel. The prophet Samuel from First and Second Samuel actually showed up to David's house and said, guess what, little buddy? You're going to be the future king of Israel and David was like yes like that is awesome I just can't wait to be king is this happening like tomorrow next week and Samuel said nah try like 15 years from now and by the way it's gonna be pretty rough until then and David was like dang it still kind of cool though still kind of cool around this time David goes back into the shep into the pastures with all of his sheep and around this time the Israelites go to war with the Philistines the Israelites are the good guys the Philistines are the bad guys and every day they would go to this valley and the Israelites would stand on this side and the Philistines would stand on that side and nobody would engage each other. It would be like an eighth grade dance with the boys over here and the girls over there. And on the Philistine side, there was this giant, right? A, a guy by the name of Goliath. And Goliath was an astronomical jerk. He just, he sucked. Goliath was like nine foot three, 500 pounds, a warrior, just pure evil. He would walk down into the valley and taunt the Israelites and say, hey, Israelites, one of you losers come down here and challenge me. We'll see how, how strong this God of yours is after all. And they were all too scared, including Saul and including all of David's older brothers. Meanwhile, David is still in the pastures, but he's also like a part-time water boy for the army. And so one day he shows up with some G2 Arctic Frost sugar-free Gatorade to replenish all the troops, except they don't really need it because none of them are doing anything anyways. And he shows up and he sees Goliath. He hears Goliath mocking his God and David gets Ticked. I'm trying not to say pissed in church. David gets ticked and he says, we're just letting this happen. You guys are too scared. And they're like, well, look at him. He's pure evil. He's nine feet tall. What are we supposed to do? And David was like, well, I killed a lion. I killed a bear. My God was with me and I'm going to go kill this guy too, right? And, and he does. I mean, you know the story. He goes down there and he says, Goliath. My name's David, and I'm here to kill you because you're mocking my God. And by the way, this is Old Testament lingo. Nowadays, if somebody mocks your God, just share Jesus with them. That's the New Covenant version of murder from the Old Testament. But David goes down and starts mocking Goliath, and Goliath goes, player, please. Dave, like, little Hebrew red hair boy, like 120 pounds of nothing but skin and bone and no brain. Like, I will step on you and crush you. I will step on you and kill you. Like, oh, you got a slingshot and a smooth stone? Oh, really, really cool, David. Like, get out of here. Oh, come Oh, Oh, you're pretty good with it. Okay, you're whirling it, twirling it around pretty fast. Okay, okay, stop that, dude. You're starting to freak me out. David, calm down, buddy. Calm down. Oh, is that a smooth stone whirling towards my face at 1,000 miles an hour? I'm dead. That's David and Goliath from Goliath's perspective. You've probably never heard it. Just as inspiring and just as dramatic. And so David kills Goliath. And now David is a folk hero. He's a legend. And the people love him. And he goes to work in Saul's palace. And people love him in the palace. And, the, and because of that, Saul gets jealous of David. And Saul tries to kill David. And one day he starts throwing spears at David. And David, because he's smart, he's like, I'm not trying to get killed by no spears today. And he flees and he runs away from the palace. And for the next decade of his life, he's a fugitive 
captive, running for his life from Saul, hiding out up in the mountains and in the woods and the wilderness and in the caves. But how many know it was in those caves and in those mountains that God built the character for a future king, right? Can I get an amen from anybody at Young Adults tonight? So David did that for like a decade, and then finally Saul died, and David finally became king, like Samuel from First and Second Samuel said he would all those years ago. And David's an awesome king. The people love him. He's shaking hands. He's kissing babies. He's killing Philistines. He's leading armies. Like, the people love him, and he's crushing it. Until one season, David gets lazy, and maybe he decides, oh, well, this war thing, this battle stuff, it's enough traveling. I'm getting too old for all this killing stuff. I'm going to stay home in the comfort of my palace while Joab, my general of the army, takes all the troops and goes off to war. So David stays home, and then David gets bored. And how many know there's nothing more dangerous than a bored man? When men get bored, we get in trouble because we can be dumb. We can be dumb, unlike you ladies. You guys are, you, you ladies are better than us. By the way, happy International Women's Day today. Let's lift up some noise. You guys deserve a much longer cheer than that, but I'm right in the middle for setting the record for the fastest time to ever tell the story of David, so we got to keep going. David is bored. When men get bored, they get into trouble, right? That's why God gives us stuff to do so that we don't get bored and then get into trouble. God gave David something to do, gave him an entire kingdom to rule over, but David sets that responsibility down, and he gets bored. And one night where we're going to pick up, David is walking around on the rooftop of his palace, and he's bored, and he's about to do something dumb. He's walking around looking up at the stars going, God, who am I, right? Looking at his, old, his whole kingdom like everything the moonlight touches is my kingdom. I'm the man. And he looks over on another roof and he sees a woman named Bathsheba, a beautiful woman named Bathsheba, and she's taking a bath on the roof. And I can't prove this to you scripturally, but she has got to be the original desperate housewife because who puts a bathtub on a roof? I mean, that's fair, right? David sees it calls for her, and then ends up sleeping with her and getting her pregnant. And so this whole thing has turned into a Jerry Springer episode. So much of the Old Testament is, is Jerry Springer episodes. you got to read it. It's absolutely crazy. And so, David, at this point, you're like, dude, like, forget you, David. Like, why would you do that, man? Because here, here's what makes the news even worse. Bathsheba is married to a guy named Uriah. Uriah is actually the man. And at this time, he's out serving and fighting in the battles for his king, who's at home being lazy, going behind his back. And you're like, dude, Uriah, you're awesome. Like, and David, what the heck, man? Why are you doing this? And David's at home, and he's like, this has turned into a scandal. I got to figure out how to handle this. And he could just come clean and kind of publicly repent and make an example of what you do when you mess up, but he's like, nah, I can, I can sweep this under the rug somehow. And so what he does is he writes a letter to Joab, the general in the army, and he says, Joab, you know Uriah? And Joab's like, yeah, he's the man. And, and David's like, okay, next time you guys are in a battle, put him on the front lines. And then when you guys start battling, everybody else retreats so that Uriah dies. And Joab's like, well, that's kind of weird, but you're the king. I just follow orders. And so that's exactly what Joab does. He puts Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, on the front lines of the battle and then everybody else retreats and Uriah dies. And so David thinks he's cleaning up this entire scandal because he's like, I'll just kill her husband and then I'll marry her and I'll raise this kid and nobody will know. And so by the way, if you ever feel like you've gone too far or you're too imperfect to ever be used by God, just look at David. Look at so many of the stories in the Bible, the people that like this man, God says, this is a man after my own heart and made him king with the foreknowledge that David was gonna do this in the first place. You have not sinned outside the bounds of the 
grace of God. He loves you and he can use you no matter what you've done. I promise you, just look at the life of David. And I promise you, with everything David's done, he thinks that he swept everything under the rug, but he's not sleeping at night. He's having panic attacks. He's wandering around, wandering around, wondering if anybody's gonna find out about what he's done, right? Until one day, God goes to a prophet by the name of Nathan, and God is about to speak to David through the prophet Nathan. And that's where we pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 12. If you have your Bibles. Jackie, that was for you. Judah Smith did that like years ago with Joseph's story, and Jackie said, if you do that with David, you'll be my hero. <laughs> okay. God... Y'all know who David is now? Okay. God is about to speak to David through the prophet Nathan. We pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 12, starting in verse 1. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. And Nathan said, David, I've got to tell you a story. When he arrived, Nathan said this to him. There were two men, David, in a certain city, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had very large flocks and very large herds. But the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised her, and she grew up with him and with his children. From his meager food she would eat, from his cup she would drink, and in his arms she would sleep. She was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, on the other hand, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he decided to take the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. David, who has to know, right, in the back of his mind, yet David says this. He was infuriated with, the, with this fictitious man in this made-up story. David was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die because he has done this thing and shown no pity. He must pay four lambs for that one lamb. And Nathan replied to, replied to David, you're the man. Tears immediately, right? God sent Nathan. God spoke through Nathan to David. Nathan comes to David and goes, David, you have not been consistent. You've been very, very inconsistent this past season with talking to God and your character and being a godly king and ruler of this nation. You've been punting on your responsibility, David. But God has been consistent. You haven't been listening, but God's been speaking. This may not have been a dialogue, but it has been a monologue. You just ain't been paying attention, David. But God is consistent even when you're not. And for some of you, maybe tonight, you just need to be reminded of the consistency of your God. That even on inconsistent weeks where you feel like you are failing as a Christian, as a son or a daughter of the king, you need to be reminded that the gospel and your salvation has nothing to do with your performance and everything to do with his performance. And he crushed his performance. The performance that he crushed got you a permanent position despite your inconsistency. David, and then he corrects him. He realigns him. He says, David, you need to realign. You need to, you need to repent. You know that you've done wrong. Wouldn't you love to sleep through the night again, David? 
It's time to fix your focus back onto God, David, because he's been speaking this whole time. A word of realignment and a word of grace. That's very important. Jump down to 13. David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David knows. Then Nathan replied to David, I love this. And the Lord, David, has taken away your sin. Realignment and grace. So God speaks through us to people and God speaks through people to us. And those are the two points that I wanna cover with the rest of the time that we have. So let's talk number one. God speaks to you through godly people. God speaks to you through godly people. Now really quick, God's voice is not limited to just speaking through godly people. God can speak through anybody, anything that he wants. God can speak through Christian music and God speaks through secular music, right? God in the Old Testament spoke through a donkey and a burning bush, right? I believe personally God speaks through comedians. I really do. Like I feel like they can point out so much of the ridiculousness about our culture and get away with it just because they're funny. I was watching the Chris Rock Netflix special a few nights ago, not Christian rock concert, Chris Rock. I'm not saying go watch it. I'm not saying I agree with Chris Rock. I'm not saying I disagree with him. I'm sure he's awesome. I'd kind of like to hang out with him. I am not telling you to go watch this, okay? I'm saying I watched it and for five minutes, for five minutes, Chris Rock has this one part where he starts talking about pornography. And he talks about how for a lot of his marriage, he got addicted to it. And it desensitized him, made him a horrible husband, and ultimately ended his marriage. And then he spent a little bit of the comedy show pleading with people. He said, if you're married right now, he's like, hold that person with everything that you got. Marriage ain't a competition. Marriage is about outserving each other and out giving to each other. Make marriage about the other person and stay the, as far away from pornography as you can because that'll desensitize you. It brought down my marriage. And I don't want that to happen to like God was preaching through him and he had no idea that God was preaching through him, right? I was like, man, that's just, that's what we talk about in young adults all the time. When we're on this side of things, right, before marriage, before all of life, and we can be so tempted to think, oh, those are just rules, like not just pornography, but like drugs and pride and drinking and slander and all the things that we sometimes think, oh yeah, God's just trying to rob me of my fun. I will live it up. God ain't taking my fun from me like the cosmic killjoy up in the sky, but, but that's just such a reminder that God is way more for your joy right now than you could ever imagine. And when he says, hey, stay away from that, it's because he's trying to lead you into more life so that you don't get to your 40s and your 50s saying the same thing that Chris Rock is saying. God was preaching through a comedian and he had no idea that it was even happening. God can, he can send a message whether the object or the person he's using is aware of it or not. But when it comes to hearing God through the people in your life, through godly people, I'll, I'll use this three, this three word phrase right here, consider the source. Consider the source, whoever is speaking into you, whoever's giving you godly advice, consider the source. Because sometimes things can sound good, but they're just straight up lies. I'll prove it to you. Here's a, here's a horrifying verse from 2 Peter chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers 
among you. And they, look at this. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Secretly, that word right there. So we think false teachers, false prophets, and we think, oh, the, the big name preacher who's just preaching to make a prophet, right? And the guy who's purposefully leading people astray just because he's mean and false teacher, right? And like, okay, yeah. Here's what I want to say. I think the biggest source by far of false teaching in the lives of Christians is well-meaning Christian friends. We can be so bad sometimes at giving godly advice because we're human beings and we tend to just go with our gut or our emotions and we stamp God's name on it, right? Oh, you move in with them. You guys are going to get married anyways. You guys are in love. It's 2018. Oh, yeah, you really think a loving God's going to send people to hell? Like, are you that old-fashioned and archaic and outdated that you actually believe that? Come on. Oh, dude, pursue her, man. She's got a boyfriend, but he's a chump. God wants you to. God wants you to be happy, right? And meanwhile, God's going, hey, don't, don't put my name on this. I didn't endorse any of this, right? Like, I don't know where that came from. I don't know what, like, here's the thing, like, people who, um, who it's their job to find counterfeit money, maybe you've heard this example before, but they don't spend all of their time memorizing and studying all the counterfeit money so that when they see it, they recognize it. There's just, there's too many counterfeits out there. They invest all of their time to studying and memorizing the real thing. That way, when they see something that's counterfeit, they immediately know, not the real thing. It's not the real thing. And as Christians, we need to not obsess over the counterfeits, but we need to obsess through, over the real thing. That's why it is so important for you to know this book and read it for yourself. It's so important for you to get plugged in and keep showing up and keep coming back so that you can know the real thing. Because secretly introduce destructive heresies. Things that are false, they're not stamped with a giant false teaching on it, right? It's subtle. Part of it, like, makes sense, right? Like, oh, God wants you to be happy. Actually, yeah, that kind of makes sense because God actually does kind of want you to be happy. But make no mistake, God's more interested in your long-term happiness that way more often than not comes through holiness than he is for your temporary happiness over the next two weeks that's going to be gone the next morning when you wake up, right? Secretly. That's why you memorize the real thing, which comes from proximity with God. One more, one more time. God whispers, and to whisper, to hear a whisper, you lean in. And it's in that space, it's in that proximity that we become familiar with the real thing. And so when you're receiving godly counsel and advice, when God is speaking to you through somebody, consider the source. Nathan, I promise you, was a good source, right? I trust people who fear God. I trust him. I trust people who have bled before in this life, who have logically all the reason in the world to hate God because of their situations, yet they just, they're crazy in love with him still. People who have gone through the fire, walked through the valley, suffered in this life, and they've come out the other side stronger and godlier than how they went in. I'll let that man or woman speak into my life any day of the week because that's the real thing. That's been tested, right? People who pray, I'll let that person speak into my life because if they're praying, if they're talking to God, they're probably listening 
to God as well. Mark Batterson makes the point that God way more often speaks to us through friends, our close friends, than he does strangers. Not that he can't speak to you through a stranger, but speaking truth in love is an earned right, the byproduct of a friendship. And the stronger the friendship, the more weight those words carry, especially when that's a friend that you've given permission to them to identify your blind spots for you and call you out when you're missing something, right? I'll let that person speak into my life all day long. I've got a couple people right here in the front row who I'll let do that for me all day long. I give them permission. They have proximity to God. And I'm going to hear them when they, whatever they say. So, and I'll give you one more example of that. In college, I got saved. Two months after I got saved, I decided to study abroad in Sydney, Australia. And um, maybe you're one of those people where you got saved and then you stopped partying and sinning overnight. That's not my story, okay? And um, the first three months in Sydney, exactly, was that story. And I decided, I don't need no church in Sydney, man. I'm a thousand miles from home. This is gonna be me and God's time to get to know each other, to chill. We don't need no establishment, no church, no middleman between me and God. It's just gonna be me and him chilling. That's how spiritual I thought I was. But really, that's just, that's an excuse, right? And one morning, I was Skyping with one of my best friends from back home, a guy named Matt, a guy who I trust, a guy who has proximity with God. And we're Skyping at the end of that conversation. Matt said, hey man, take this or leave this. Take it for what it's worth. But I've been, I've been doing quiet times every morning for like the past week. And God's been telling me to tell you, I just really feel like, you, you, dude, you need to go to church. You need to find a church, man. And I told Matt, I was like, dude, me and God are cool right now. We're getting to know each other with no establishment. We're good right now, Matt. And uh, I'm all for God, Matt, but I'm not really about church right now, man. Church ain't my thing right now. And, and Matt just kind of laughed. He said, okay, next time you and God are chilling, you tell him that you're not very fond of his bride. And then you tell me what he says back to that, right? <laughs> Seriously. And uh, I was like, okay. And I'll give myself a little credit because I like, we hung up the Skype session and I received that. And I was like, you know, <laughs> Matt, Matt hears from God, and maybe, maybe he's on to something here, and maybe God's trying to tell me something. And so I remember, like, from back home, I had heard a few, like, Hillsong worship songs. I was like, those are pretty cool. I think those guys are from Australia. I'll look them up, and sure enough, I got to hillsong.com, and on the homepage was album recording tonight, downtown, 7 p.m. And I'm like, God, like, this is me. Like, I love music. I feel like he speaks to me through music. I'm like, oh, come, this is me, man. This is me. Matt's on to something, I'm supposed to go. And so I took the bus downtown. I get to the stadium where the worship night was and there's a, there's a well, first of all, I found out on the website, it said sold out. And I was like, oh man, like, I really feel like I'm supposed to be at this. And so I just, I, I showed up, I tried and there was a huge line of people outside the stadium. So I got in line and waited in line for like a few hours, struck up a conversation with these three guys who were from South Korea. Really, really nice. We had an awesome conversation. But then at 7.05, Apple time, which is the time churches usually start their services. Um, the guy came out and he said, uh, guys, I'm so sorry. I know you've been waiting here for hours. We, we'd love to fit you in this worship night, but every seat is full. Every aisle is full. We're breaking fire codes as it is. And we just like, we have no, we literally don't have a place left to put you. Better luck next year, guys. I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, oh man, like I was supposed to be here. I just, I know it. Like what the heck, you know? And I, I turned around and was walking back to the bus stop 
and somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around, and it was one of the, it was the three guys that I was talking to. And one of them hands me a, one ticket. And he said, we have one ticket, and there's three of us. And if all three of us can't go, none of us are going, and so this is yours. Enjoy, enjoy the night. And I was, I kid you not, like, none of this, this had, none of this had, stuff had happened to me before. And because I was the last one in, literally, they had to put me, like, right in the front. And I'm sitting there, standing there, just like, and it's Hillsong Worship, right? Like the, the Faith, Hope, and Love album from 09. It's my favorite album for obvious reasons to this day. And that night was just one of the most special nights of my life. I'm standing there just like, God, like, you see me. Like, salvation for me happened, like, five months ago. But, like, you have plans for me past that. And you... You cared enough to seek me out through another person and through a Skype session all the way in the land down under to show me that you have plans for me and that you want me close to you. And like, ever since then, if I ever doubt that God speaks, I just put that album on, right? And I, I usually get through like two or three songs until I kind of hear God say, hey, press pause and just let it be silent. Let it be for 10 minutes. Because I spoke through Matt to you, but I kind of want to speak to you as well, consider the source. Matt was a trustworthy source. But you receive it, right? And that's where I'm like, that was the first thing in my Christian faith life that I'll give myself credit for, was I, I responded and I put myself in a position where God showed up and he flexed his muscles and he, he showed off and he showed me that he was there, right? I was like, man, God, like, he speaks to you through godly people. And then the other one, and we'll make this one quicker, God speaks to people through you. God can use you prophetically to speak to people. Now, first of all, I think God can speak the loudest through you when he doesn't have to say a word. Like when your life and the way that you live speaks volumes about who your God is, right? Like you might be the only Bible that your roommate ever reads, I promise you, people know that you're a Christian. They know that you go to church and people are watching. The world is watching Christians more closely than you think. They're watching the way that we live and the character with which we live it. They're watching what you do on Friday nights, right? In college, my college pastor, me and these, a couple of these guys sitting up here in the front row, he called us out pretty hardcore. God spoke to us through him. And he said, you guys are leaders in this ministry, yet nothing about your, your week and night life is changing. You guys, like David, are punting on this incredible responsibility that you have, right? And at the time, I'm a young Christian, and I'm going, legalism. Okay, legalist, legalism. <laughs> Meanwhile, God's up there going, no, try maturity. That's a better word, right? I want to use you to preach and reach people. Try Maturity, like people are watching what you, they watch the way you dress. They watch the way that you give. They watch the way that you forgive, right? People are paying close attention and God can speak volumes through your life without you even having to open your mouth. And I think it's once you learn to let God speak through you by your actions that God can then start speaking through you by the words that he gives you. Nathan spoke on behalf of God, which is a crazy concept and should kind of scare us a little bit. James 3.1 says this, not many of you should become teachers. 
my fellow believers. Tell us what you really think, James, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's sobering. I think about it every single time I get up here to preach and every time I give somebody advice that I stamp the word God on. I think about that. Your teaching, speaking on behalf of God is an honor and we should want to do it, but we should do it carefully. I talk to God a lot before I tell somebody, hey man, I feel like God gave me a word for you. Because even the right word spoken at the wrong time can be wrong. But a right word spoken at the right time can echo through eternity. But it starts with a prophetic ear, right? Being in that space with proximity to God like Nathan was to hear the whisper of God. God speaks through us to other people. Through us to other people. And people sometimes, I, I've heard people ask, okay, how do, I, how do I practice this ability to speak life into people and have words to give people? And man, you guys can all come back out here. And I feel like uh, I landed on this last night talking to my brother and I really, I felt like this one was from God. I can, I can say that with integrity right now. I felt like God said, if, if that's something that you want and you crave, just love people more than you love the prophetic because I'm gonna prophetically speak through you to the people that you love. And if you're not loving people, then what about your motives? Showing up to give somebody a word that you claim is from the big man upstairs, right? Like a lot of times we just want to be used as the prophetic one, right? Love people and then God will speak through you to those people. That's why I trust Jesse and Chad and everything that those two have to say to the millennial generation. Because while a lot of people criticize and roll their eyes at us as a generation, they happen to think the world of us. They believe in the potential of this generation and they love, 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 love 20 somethings. And God obviously is gonna use them to give words to us. Sometimes realigning words, but always grace-filled words always done with a humble spirit, which is what we get from Jesse Davis every time she's on the stage. God, God speaks through us to people. And uh, I'll close, this will be, I'll tell this story and then we're gonna worship. Um, back in 2013, fall of 2013, and I was dating um, Samantha, she's now my wife. That kind of ruins the ending of the story. Just pretend I didn't tell you that. Um, you guys knew that anyways. But I was, uh, I was like, I was trying to figure out. I'm like, God, am I supposed to ask this girl to marry me or not? Am I supposed to propose to this girl, right? And uh, I'm like, God, I'm desperate. I, you have plans for my future, including relational marital plans. I kind of need you to download that to me right now. Maybe like a, a brochure like would be fine, you know? Speak to me, I'm listening, Lord, right? Um, Cause I'm like, I love her, but I tend to overthink stuff. I wanna ask her to marry me, but I've been wrong about this stuff before. <laughs> um, speak to me, right? And this will sound, this is gonna get so Christian and I apologize for that, but I, I bought a plane ticket to California to spend a week with my brother. Um, because Elijah went to the mountains, but I go to the ocean, right? When I'm desperate to hear the voice of God. I get to my brother's place and, and he challenged me. He just said, bro, read a proverb and go surf. 
And so I read Proverbs 3, like one of the most famous Proverbs, and then I went surfing in Laguna Beach. And so I'm surfing. I, I, I'm so sorry. This is so Christian. I'm surfing. It's sunset at Laguna Beach, and I'm praying, God, I'm ready. Lay it on me. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, for some reason, just stirred up in my spirit. And I felt like God said, hey, there's a reason that verse right now is on your heart. That's my, pro, that, I, that, that book, this book is inspired by God. He speaks through people. He speaks through scripture too. And memory verses that you memorized three, four, 20 years ago can resurface at the right time when God wants it to. You never know the seeds you plant today when those things are gonna sprout. And I'm out there in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do you have it? Can you put it up? It says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to the Lord, and he will make your path straight. In all your ways, submit to the Lord, and he will make your path straight. So I'm out in the water thinking, God, speak to me right now. And then that pops up in my head, in my heart. And, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at that like an equation. And God's saying, hey, you're so stressed out about this path about these plans, but according to that equation, this is, this is not audibly, no dolphin popped up next to me to speak on behalf of God. I'm just like feeling this through this verse, like it clicked as an equation and the path part is not on me. That's on God. The plans are on him. He's gonna let you know on a need to know basis if you lean in, but the submit to me in every way, that's something that is on me. That's something I can control starting tonight. And I felt like God say, what is one thing, what's one thing about this whole relationship thing that you can submit to me? There's probably a hundred of them, and you should probably submit those to me forever. But what's one thing for one month that you can just work your side of the equation and just watch what I do with your path, right? And I felt like, I wrote, the, I want to get the, the wording right, but, but I, I felt this, and what I gave to God was my relationship selfishness. You know, I, like, I, I was obsessed with how my relationship with my girlfriend was affecting me. And like, what is marriage going to do for me? And those are good things to think about. But like Chris Rock would say, your marriage ain't about you. And I was like, okay, I'm going to surrender my relational, my relationship selfishness. And for one month, I'm gonna submit that to you. For one month, I'm gonna kick it into turbo mode to make that girl feel as loved and special as she could ever possibly feel. Right? We're doing date night three nights a week. I'm doing, I'm doing the texting every single morning to let her know that she's loved. I'm writing handwritten letters because you girls love those handwritten. You have shoeboxes in your closet full of all the handwritten letters that you've ever gotten, right? Like I'm, I'm kicking it into turbo mode. And I kid you not, one week in, one week in, I realized how much I loved making her feel loved. I was like, I could do that for the rest of my life. And it was like God almost audibly said, yeah, you knucklehead, stop overthinking this. <laughs> Marriage is so much better when it's not about you. And so let me leave you with this. What is one path that you would like to know regarding your future? For I know the plans I have for your future and they are good. You have good plans. You want his plans over your plans. You'd probably like to know what his are. What is one path, one plan that you'd like to know and what's one thing about that path that you 
can submit to God? What's one thing? Can you work your side of the equation and submit? Just one thing for one month and just watch what he does with your path. It's as soon as you take your focus off of the plan that all of a sudden he just seems to, to make that just so clear, right? Proximity with him. Because what happens when we submit even one thing? The process of submission to God naturally causes you to lean in without even thinking about it. And before you know it, you're now in a space where you can hear the whisper of God. Away from all the, the distractions outside of your own, the beehives that are going on in your own mind, talking you in, talking you out of things. Meanwhile, God is speaking right above all of that, right above all of it. For me, he showed me through a verse that he spoke to me through my brother. And it led to a proposal, people, prophets, proverbs, and proposals. And so what's one plan, one thing that you just, you'd love to hear from God? You're saying, God, I'm desperate. I have mountains I can go to. But God can speak to you in your chair tonight. God can speak to you in your car at any point over this next month. He can speak to you at work. You don't need to be on a mountaintop or in the ocean surfing next to dolphins during the sunset to hear the voice of God. You just need to know that he speaks somewhere beneath all the noise because he does not typically function by proclaiming it to you in his outdoor voice through the earthquake and the fire. He whispers, but he designed it that way so that you'd lean in because your proximity with God will grow you and change you in ways that simply having all the plans laid out for you right in front of your face ever could. Your pursuit of his voice will be better for your character and your spirit and your life than even hearing his actual voice ever would be. And so I wanna do this really quick. We're about to go into worship and I'm gonna pray, but we're gonna, we're gonna just be silent. I'm not even talking about the Holy Spirit pad over here with Scott. That's gonna be, it's just gonna be quiet in this place. And for some of you, it's gonna feel so weird because even in your car, even at night trying to fall asleep, you have to have your headphones in because we can't, we live in a world now where we can't just be alone with no distractions, just us. And it's almost like we're like running from something. Notice next time there's no noise, notice how bad you just kind of want to escape it. But God is saying, no, 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 that's where I meet you. That's where I meet you. And so lean in. We're going to listen and then we're going to worship. God, I love you. And I pray, I pray that any seed that was thrown out tonight would, would, would land on fertile ground, would be received. I pray that you'd start helping us to learn your languages. We live in a noisy world, God, but you still speak. And God, you want so bad to speak to every single one of us. We're not trying to convince you to speak to us. You want this too. So we give you this time. We love you so much, and we simply say this right now. Speak, God. We're listening. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.